not here to sugarcoat I'm sorry about you Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through you, me and you Let's keep it real honest Hey everyone, welcome to Real Honest The podcast where we share candid thoughts and feelings About life, love, and relationships God and church Adulting the workplace, and everything in between. I'm your host, Samantha Labatt, and you may not always like me, but I will always be honest with you. So why the podcast? It's a combination of growing up with people pleasers, and I strongly believe that people pleasers are liars and they drive me nuts. Um, Also grew up with a lot of do what you're told and because I said so answers, and I am just not about that life. Um, also I lead a small group with my church. It's, um, twenties and thirties. And there's just a lot of questions that we have about church and God and what it means to be a Christian and spirituality that we weren't given the freedom to ask when we were growing up and just kind of the questions that have been coming out of that. I wanted a space to start a larger conversation with more people about a lot of these things. Um, and I guess the simplest reason is because God told me to, but I know that that, that sentence in itself freaks people out. Um, later I'll have an episode about hearing the voice of God and that stuff specifically. But this week we're talking about how and why the church, and when I say church, I'm not talking about a specific church or organization. I'm talking about Big C Church, the church at large, but how and why it needs to change the messaging that is given to single people. Before I get into it, I'm going to throw in a small disclaimer, if you will. I am not a pastor or a religious scholar of any kind. I have never worked at a church. I have not been to seminary, nor do I plan to. Um, I am a lifelong church goer. I have attended churches since I was very small. I'll do a story time about that (laughs) in another episode. Um, but I do believe that everybody comes with their own implicit biases. So I do like to have a certain set of demographics and, um, definitions for things whenever I'm having conversations to make sure that everybody at least knows where I am coming from. So I am approaching this conversation as a person who is single and I'm using the definition of single to mean that I am not married and I check single when I file my taxes. Um, any other relationship statuses beyond that are irrelevant to me in this conversation. I'm just talking about single as not married. Um, I also am black, which I am saying as meaning my two biological parents are black. Don't care about ancestry. 23andMe didn't need to trace the history to wherever. Um, if you looked at my picture and were like, oh my gosh, she's mixed. Don't argue with me about that. We're not here for that. Um, but I'm going to approach all of these conversations as being a black person that lives in America. Um, and then also I do identify as a Christian and I intentionally don't lead with that because too many people have different definitions of Christian. And a lot of people that I've met in life recoil from hearing that someone's a Christian because they think that if you're a Christian, you must hate a certain group of people. Um, and that's really frustrating and really stressful. And we will also dive deeper into that in another episode. 
Um, but for clarity, my personal definition of Christian means that I believe in Jesus Christ and I am actively pursuing a relationship with him. So I feel like, and let me first say, like, y'all, I have been to a lot of churches. <laughs> I mean, it took me years to find a church home and I have had about four different church homes and I'm only 30. I don't know if that's a lot or a little to you. Um, but on the journey of finding each of these homes, like it has been a journey and I will story a time about that later. But a common theme that I've noticed in all of the churches that I have visited is that I feel like the church at large almost worships marriage and family over God. And, you know, like, have you ever noticed how whenever there's a guest preacher, they always open with like a cute pic of their wife and kids and they're like, been married 13 years, yay. And then they show you their children. And if they have a kid that's under four, they tell a joke about how that kid's not saved yet. Pray for them. Um, it's like, it's always the same joke and it's just not funny to me. Um, but you know, it's one of these things where I understand that a church is still a business, right? And that's, it's a really good business model to make it a family thing because, you know, if you have a certain faith, you raise your kids in your faith and you go to church and now your kids go to church and the idea is that they keep going and they have kids and they keep going and so on and so forth. Um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, but I do think that the unintentional message is that you are lesser if you're not married with a family. And if you don't have that, your primary goal in life should be attaining that or achieving that. And if you, God forbid, if you don't want to get married and have a child, then there's something wrong with you. And that I find extremely problematic and harmful. You know, I even was once told by a pastor at a church that I used to go to that the number one reason people stated as to why they left that church was not finding a spouse. And I thought that was really interesting because she shared this with me in a conversation where she was saying, like, you know, People are like looking for the wrong thing. Like you're supposed to come to church looking for Jesus, like not come to church looking for a spouse. And I was like, do you think that this is people that are attending the church looking like, is this a them issue or is this an, more of an issue of the church? Probably unintentionally, but the church kind of pushing and advertising like the Christian way is to get married and have kids. And so if you walk into a church as a non-Christian and you're looking at all the happy Christians married with kids and it's like, oh, if I go here, I'm going to find me a good old Christian husband and we're going to get married and have 2.5 kids and a dog, like, which maybe you will, but not necessarily. So I feel like the, also any, um, any singles events that I have been to any t like sermons geared toward the single people, or even if the sermon is for the whole church, but you know, if the pastor says something like, 
and for the single people out there, and then, you know, throws in a sentence or two. The messaging is usually something along the lines of, here's what to do while you wait. Until you find your spouse, you should do X, Y, Z. Or, oh my gosh, the bane of my existence is when they say, during your season of singleness. You know, because I'm just sitting here like, seasons change, right? Like calling it a season implies that it's short term. And yet there are Christians on this planet who never marry. So if I'm single forever, was it a season? I don't think so. You know, I just, I disagree. I don't think that makes sense. Years ago, I took this course which a, with a bunch of girlfriends that I went to church with at the time. It was called like making the most of your singleness or something. And it was like an eight week program where every day we were supposed to journal prayers to our future husband and like, you know, hoping that he was drawing closer to God and hoping that he was healthy and happy. and. Let me be clear that if you are if you are out there and you desire if you're a Christian who truly desires that like at your core you know that you are on this earth to be someone's spouse and someone's mother. I am not trying to discredit that. I am not trying to take that away from you. I'm merely trying to say that some of us have other paths and we could use some support. Is there anything wrong with praying for your future husband? No. But I do think that if you don't have a spouse, then I do find it a waste of time to pray for them. And I think that if I do think that marriage is a calling and I um, again, I've said before, I'm not a biblical scholar, so I'm not going to this is not the forum for me to dive into what the Bible says about marriage and family. Um, I highly recommend you do that research on your own. But after I did my personal study and learned like truly what marriage is as God designed it, um, kind of the more I learn about it, really the less that I desire it. But also I do feel like it's a calling. And I feel like if you are called to be married, I feel like God will tell you that and he will tell you who your spouse is. And I think that you can be wanting that on your own without being called and without hearing from God about it. And you can be so singularly focused on finding that person so that you can start your family that you miss your actual calling and you miss what God is saying to you and what God wants you to do. So. Kind of, I guess my experience with singleness and prayer, I would say I feel like when I was growing up in church, the messaging to girls was don't ever let a boy touch you. Like, save yourself for marriage. Like, if a boy is trying to touch you, he's disrespecting you and you need to run away um, and whatever. And so, 
I, you know, I was one of those girls that like wore a purity ring. I was like, get away from me. Don't touch me. Like I'm saving myself for Jesus. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If it's actually your choice, I think there's something wrong with it. If you are doing what you think you're supposed to do to get something, because I also grew up in a church that essentially taught that the way God works and the Bible works and being a Christian works is that if you follow the Ten Commandments and you follow all of the rules, then God will bless you. And if you don't, then God will punish you. So, I mean, y'all, I spent like the last 15 years trying to undo the belief that like, if I spilled my coffee in the morning or stubbed my toe, it was because God was mad at me for like something that I said or did or a thought that I had. Just back to the messaging of being single, it was very like as a, as a teenage girl in high school, like being attracted to boys, there was just a lot of like, well, I can't date because if I date, then they're going to want to touch me and then we're going to sin and then we're going to go to hell. And it, it made it so difficult for me to talk to boys because if they wanted to date me, I was like running in the opposite direction. Or if I wanted to date them, then there was the conundrum of like, okay, I was told that like boys just want sex. And if all they want is sex and I'm not going to give them sex, then they won't talk to me. And I feel like that's where girls get caught in that trap of, do I start having sex just to get the boy because I want a boyfriend? Or do I be how, you know, if that's all that boys want, how am I supposed to find a husband? Um, And it's just like constant back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And this put me in a relationship that I, that I stayed in way too long because I fell in love with a boy in high school and we had like a seven year plan. And, you know, we agreed that we were going to wait until we were married and we wanted two kids and a dog had had them all named like the whole nine yards. And then you know, when he went to college and found drugs and alcohol and porn and damn near lost his mind, I was so stuck on like but this is my husband. Like I prayed for him and I waited for him. And he has to be the one. And there was just so much stress of needing to keep him because I was so desperate to have a spouse. And I had the 10-year the plan of like, okay, well, I found him at 17 or 18. And so we're going to get married at 23 and have our first kid at 25 and our second kid at 27. and you know, if, if I break up with him, then the whole, the whole schedule is off and like that the whole thing is ruined. Um, and I just ended up staying in this relationship so much longer than I should have. And I was absolutely miserable because of the fear that what if nobody else ever loves me again? And also, you know, the church is so against divorce and keeps talking about, you know, marriages forever, forever, forever. And so then I'm sitting there, you know, at 20 years old in college thinking like, okay, I mean, yeah, he 
has a drinking problem and a drug problem and a porn problem, but like God can deliver him from all of that. And if I were married to him, I couldn't leave him for these things, right? Like we would have to go to therapy and work through it. So since I'm planning to marry him, he's told me he's going to marry me. Like we love each other. We love God. We believe in each other. Like why, why should us dating be any different than us being married? Because that's the only difference. So like, why would I break up with him? But of course that doesn't make any sense. Again, it has to do with the messaging. And so whenever we finally broke up, I was devastated and I was severely depressed for the remainder of college, not just because of this breakup. There's a lot of shit happened to me in college. So let me just, don't worry guys, it wasn't a boy. Um, But I was severely depressed throughout college and for many years following college and every relationship that I got in, I was just so desperate to hold on to it because I just had my, my childhood youth pastor was ringing in my head. I will never forget. He said in a sermon one day, like, if you are dating someone and they are not their spouse, they are not your spouse, then you need to end the relationship immediately because they have to get out of your spouse's way. And you need to get out of their spouse's way because you're stopping each other from finding your spouse and like you have to find your person. And so it was like everybody that I dated, it was just like, are you my husband? Are you my husband? Are you my husband? And the second that something went wrong, I was panicking. Like, is this something that that God is giving us a test to work through? Or is this me being told that you're not my spouse? And therefore, you are in my spouse's way. And if I keep dating you, then I can't find my spouse and you're keeping him for me. And oh no, you know, and it was just sheer panic all the time. And this just made for unhealthy relationship after unhealthy relationship and just hanging on to people that I shouldn't have been hanging on to and running back to people that I shouldn't have ran back to just because, you know, it's like you're constantly looking for a sign where it's like, oh, this person is back in my life. Is that because that's my husband, God? And two years ago, it just wasn't time. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. If there's anyone out there that's like going through this panic stage, let me just say, I was going to say this as a fact, but I'm going to tell you that this is what I believe because I don't know that it's a fact. I believe that it is impossible to miss your calling. If you follow God and you are prayerfully making decisions throughout your life, I do not believe that you can get out of alignment with what God has for you. I think that you can alter the path, but ultimately, I don't think that you can miss it. And there was a pastor at a church I used to go to who gave this illustration that I really loved. And he said, following Jesus is like, if you imagine that you are walking through a forest and Jesus is on the other side and he's able to give you directions, right? So say there is a clearing and there is a straight line from you to Jesus. And he's waving and he's beckoning to you and he's calling you. And all you have to do is walk in that straight line and follow his voice, right? 
but then maybe a puppy runs into the road and you sit and you pet it and you get a little distracted by that. And while you're petting the puppy, a tree falls and is blocking your way. So now you have to turn around and take a different path. And the different path might have a river that you have to cross, or there might be giant boulders in the way that you have to move or go around or whatever it is. Either way, like you're going to get to Jesus. It might be easier or harder, but you're, he's always calling to you and waving to you and beckoning to you. And you're always going to get there in the end. So I feel like if God has a spouse for you, you're going to meet that person no matter what you do. Like truly, if you are called to be married, it does not matter if you take the job in New York or if you take the job in LA, God is going to find a way to get you to in the same city at the right time. You're going to meet each other. You're going to be on the same page and like everything's going to be beautiful. If you are dating the wrong person, when God is ready for you to meet the right person, you will still meet them and you will end one relationship and you will start a new one. I just do not believe that because you dated someone for five years, you now missed the person. If you would have broken up with them three years ago, as opposed to last year, you would have met your spouse sooner. Maybe you would have met them sooner, but you're not going to know that. But what I'm saying is that you're going to meet them regardless. And I feel like just all of those years of anxiety and panic didn't end until I fell to my knees one day and I asked God, because I, I had been begging him prior to this, like, bring so-and-so back to me. Or if so-and-so is not the one, then bring the one to me. You know, bring me this one. Bring me that one. Um, and just nothing was happening, which, you know, of course, a lot of people like to say sometimes you didn't wait long enough, you know, or you wanted the answer a specific way and it wasn't coming, whatever it is. But I decided to change the prayer. And so instead of begging God to bring me my spouse or to repair an old relationship, one night I prayed and I said, God, will you please remove my desperate need for a spouse? I just want to be okay either way. If I have one or if I don't, I want to feel equally successful. I want to be able to find joy in my friendships and my family and my career. And if I turn 90 and I'm in a nursing home and I'm not married, I don't want to look back and feel unsuccessful or unaccomplished or like I did something wrong. I want to look back and still be able to say, I had a full life. And when I tell you that I woke up the next day filled with so much peace, I can't, I can't even describe it to you. It was amazing. And that's kind of what I want the church to shift the messaging to is just instead of here's what to do while you wait to find your spouse. I want the church to say, here are 
a bunch of different paths that you can take in life. Here is a plethora of things that you can focus on. It shouldn't be focus on your career while you're waiting for your spouse. It should be focus on your career if you love your career and your career is important to you. If not, find a volunteer opportunity or something that you love. It shouldn't be pour yourself into your friends while waiting to find your spouse. And it shouldn't be, you know, eat well and work out and make sure that read your Bible for four hours a day and become the best version of yourself so that you're ready for your spouse. You know, become the best version of yourself for you so that you can show up for your friends and your family and your chosen family and the people that are important to you. There's, there's so much to experience in this world beyond getting married and beyond having children. There, I, there are millions of things to do. There, there are so many more reasons why we are here. And I just feel like putting such heavy spotlight and focus on getting married and have kids just really, really takes away from other things that God may want to shine a light on. Um, And I also briefly want to touch on, um, for those people, if you are married or if you're in a very serious relationship and you're near married, telling your single friends something to the effect of, well, while you're single, you're more like Jesus because Jesus was single and I have to give my kid and my husband all my attention. I don't even have time for myself and you can give all your attention to Jesus. That's not helpful. Okay. Nobody likes to hear that bullshit. It is ridiculous. (laughs) Please like stop saying it guys. Stop saying it because really and truly If one of the main points of Christianity is to work as hard as you can to be like Jesus, then if being single makes you more like Jesus and gives you more time to read your Bible and more time to volunteer and more time to pray, then everyone should be single and we should all be striving to stay single forever because that makes us more like Jesus, which the majority of you are not doing. So let's not, because, you know, the other thing is it's, it's a caveat where it's like you feel the need to make being single okay. There's nothing that makes me more crazy than when my married friends say like, like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. Like, and you know, they, they complain about the, the problem, problems of being married. Or like, if I talk to them about dating, they're like, oh. I'm glad I got married and I don't have to have to deal with that. But at least you don't have to deal with, you know, the kids schedules or illnesses or anything like that. It's like comparison is the thief of all joy. Let's stop comparing your life to my life or anyone's life to anyone's life. You know, it's just like at the end of the day, being single, it is not a problem. You are not broken. You are not lesser. And if you want to get married, Great. But if you throw all of your energy into getting married, you really should consider what you are missing out on. If you throw all of your energy into anything, you're going to miss out on other things that God has for you. I think it would do 
a lot of us a whole lot of good if the church would start talking to single people as if they are equal to married people in the eyes of the church, just to, you know, the same way that we say we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, but don't tell me that I have more time for this or that because I'm single. You know, if I'm volunteering with a married person, don't guilt me into putting in more hours because I don't have children to feed. Like I have other things to do at home. You know, it's like if we're volunteering in the same role, we should both be putting in the same number of hours and just leave it at that. And, you know, like if you're an older person, don't ask younger people why they're not married. You know, it's for those that want to be married and are waiting for it or chasing after it. It's heartbreaking. It's like, don't ask a woman when she's going to have a baby. Like you have no idea what's going on in people's lives. As I'm sure you can tell, I am very passionate about this topic and I'm kind of just ranting and getting angry now. So I'm going to transition this into my next segment, which is what is God teaching me in this season? The biggest thing that God has been really hammering home in teaching me something this year so far is the need to shift perspective and expectations. Um, and just personally, I struggle a lot with missing God's response to something because I expected it to come in a particular way. So for example, um, you know, I wanted to pay off debt faster and I was praying to God to help me do that. And, you know, I got all these like random job offers and I had three jobs for a good portion of last year and a good portion of this year. Um, and, you know, I got a lot paid off very quickly, but I was very stressed the whole time. And I was like, God, I wanted money to fall out of the sky. <laughs> I didn't want more jobs. Um, but it's one of those things that while I was going through it, I couldn't see that that was the answer. And I couldn't see that that was a blessing because I was literally looking for random, unexpected checks to show up in the mail. So keep in mind, when you feel like you're not hearing from God, first ask yourself, how are you expecting to hear from him? You might be used to him talking through a friend or a family member or a pastor, but he might use music. He might use an unexpected person, like somebody that you don't like or somebody that's at work. So, um, you know, just keep in mind that if you're looking for it to happen in a specific way, you might miss it if you're not open to it happening in a different way. Let's keep it real Real honest. honest. Hard conversation of the week. Okay, so in the spirit of being really honest with you guys, um, I'm going to share each week a hard conversation that I had that required a good amount of honesty. So this week it was uninviting my sister to the Eras tour, (laughs) and I know. A lot of jaws are dropping and people are like, oh my gosh, that's so mean. And you know, this is one thing that I just want to say, like a lot of people are afraid to be honest because they think it's, they don't want to be mean and they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And you can be honest without being mean, whether or not you are mean, 
your honesty may often hurt someone's feelings. That's okay. It's part of life. They're going to grow from it. You're going to grow from it. And if you're having a hard conversation and you're expressing your feelings in truly the kindest way possible, and the person gets upset with you, um, are they upset because of what you said, or are they pushing past a boundary that you have set because they feel entitled to something? All right. So here's the story. When Taylor Swift announced the Eras tour, I immediately texted a friend that I know also is obsessed with Taylor Swift and like she and I agreed to go. Now I have two older sisters that are twins that are not Taylor Swift fans. And then I have another older half sister who she and her husband both are Taylor Swift fans, but we really are not close at all. So I was not considering mentioning this concert to any of them. My half sister texted my other sisters and I in a group chat and was like, oh my gosh, Taylor's going to Kansas City. That's where one of the twins lives. And she was like, you know, it'd be so fun if we all go have a sister weekend, except well, like my husband will be there too, but like we should all go to this concert together. And so one of my sisters was like, absolutely not. I don't care about Taylor enough <laughs> to pay for that. Um, and my other sister like agreed to go. So at this point, it's now me, one of my sisters, a half sister and her husband and my friend. Um, So there's five of us total that are going. And so that's when we start hearing like what the ticket prices are going to be. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't think I have the funds to get five tickets. And so we agreed that like I was going to do the verified fan presale and get three tickets. And then somebody else was going to do the Capital One presale and get two tickets. And I am sure you have heard of the great Ticketmaster disaster of the Eras Tour. Um, but I was the super fan that got in that waiting room in the doctor's office at 8.30 in the morning and then drove home like a mad woman with my laptop in the passenger seat on my mobile hotspot. Like, I was like, if I get out of this waiting room before I get home, I'm going to pull over and buy these tickets on the side of the road. Like, I love Taylor Swift and I, ca- I can't even express to you how excited I am for this show. So after hours upon hours upon hours in the waiting room and literally laying on the floor at my house, sobbing because I was not going to get tickets, I finally like got in to buy the tickets and texted my friend was like, here are the prices. It was more than she was willing to pay. So I was like, fine, you're not going. I'm just getting two tickets. And then, you know, spending hours fighting other fans, I finally got to, and then Ticketmaster crashed, and then the Capital One pre-sale didn't happen, and that is how my sister and I ended up being the only two people from the, the larger group that were going to go to the show. So now there is me, resident Swifty, that is texting my sister, like, different outfit choices and friendship bracelets and hand tattoos. And she doesn't know what any of it means. And she's constantly confused. And she's like, oh, there's outfits. Like, do we have to dress up for this? And just like, I, I didn't expect her to be excited with me because she's not a Swifty. But like the fact that she could not get excited with me was starting to irritate me because I'm sitting here like this is going to be the absolute greatest night of my life and you're going to just be standing there observing and you're not going to sob with me and hold my hand and you won't even know which songs are the secret songs and I am like freaking out about that and then my best friend calls me and he is like my boyfriend will not shut up about Taylor Swift will you please take him to the concert with you. And I was like, oh my gosh, he's a Swifty. And I was thrilled beyond compare because if I had known 
I would have just invited him to begin with. But so anyways, I'm now presented with this predicament of, do I take my sister because she's already agreed to go and she's already paid me for the ticket? Or do I ask her to give her ticket to a very close friend of mine who is going to cry with me and hold my hand and hold me and just, he and I are going to have a very different experience than she and I would have if she went. So I started out texting her just to say, hey, if you don't really want to go to this concert, like I have this friend that's willing to buy your ticket. I felt like the response I got was very odd. Like she said something to the effect of, but I have to go. It's the show of the year, the show of the century. I totally understand if you'd rather take him, but I have to see it some way or another. And I'm sitting there staring at this text message like, what does that mean? Like, what do you mean you have to go? It's sold out everywhere. So you, you can't see it one way or another. Like you're either going to go with me or you're not going. But also I'm confused because like, she maybe knows five or 10 Taylor Swift songs. I couldn't even tell you, but she's definitely like not a diehard fan like I am. So I'm just very like, you didn't even say in this message that you want to go. <laughs> you said you have to go, which I also think is odd. And so I tried again <laughs> and I just responded and said like, hey, I'm not uninviting you because I think that would be rude, but I'm just letting you know since like you're not a Swifty, like he would be super excited and would love to go and pay you for your ticket. And this is where I went wrong, was to say that I wasn't uninviting her because I didn't want to be mean and I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Because while I, it's, it is true that I did not want to be mean and I did not want to hurt her feelings, but I did want to uninvite her. I did not want to bring her. I don't think that she and I would have fun together at this show. I was trying to put it in her court. I wanted it to be her decision. I wanted her to willingly give the ticket away and I didn't want to have to take it from her because I didn't want to be mean. But she was not receptive to that because she didn't respond to the second message that I sent. Like weeks went by and I just never got a response. And from what I know of her as a person, I truly believe that her motivation in going to the concert had more to do with it being a big deal and like wanting to say she was there and her having already told people that she was going and her not wanting to have to deal with the embarrassment of having said that she was going and then not and not end up going or having to tell someone who she told she was going to that like now she's not going but at the end of the day like I was not being honest with her or myself. And then it was just eating me up that I was like, great, now I have to take her to this concert that like, she's not going to be excited to be there. I'm not going to be excited to have her there. Like, we're both not going to be excited to be together because we just don't even like hang out like that. Um, So after sitting with that for a while, and y'all like, I had a whole therapy session about this. Um, I had like a three hour conversation with a friend about it, just going back and forth, like talk to my other sister, talk to my mom, like everyone but this sister who is the one I should have just called and said like, hey, do you truly want to go or not? Like, (laughs) let's discuss. Um, But so what I ended up doing was I just like a few weeks later, I texted her again. And I just said, hey, I am going to refund you. I'm going to bring my friend to this concert. It's really, really important to me that I take somebody 
who's going to know all the songs, shout all the lyrics, hold me while I cry, hold my hand, jump up and down, dance the night away, wear glitter. Um, and he's going to do that. Now, could I have had this hard conversation better? Thousand percent. Should have been a phone call. Shouldn't, should not have been dealing with the texting. Um, so I'm not even trying to use this as like an example of something that you guys should do. Um, I'm more, I'm sharing this just to empower you to have hard conversations because at the end of the day, like taking her just to protect her feelings was going to hurt us both in the end. Um, where now I am insanely looking forward to what is absolutely positively without a doubt going to be the greatest night of my entire life. Let's keep it real honest. Moving on so we can wrap this up. I am obsessed with movies and books and TV. So I'm going to be ending every podcast with a, a very short movie, book, or television series review. Um, today's review is for Blue's Clues Big City Adventure. I am not kidding. Like, y'all have to watch this movie. It is so cute. It has the catchiest song. Steve and Joe and the new guy are all there. And it's just like, I thought it was going to be so stupid. And it's the most adorable thing ever. I didn't even try to acquire a child to watch it with. I watched it by myself. I had the best time. And you should see it. It just made me really happy. Like, if you have like, a stressful week and you just want like usually I'm like watching dramas and I need like really complicated story and I need to be crying but if you're in a mood where like you just want to be happy blues clues big city adventure Let's keep it real honest.